Lord, we thank you that you do never let us down, that in every season you are steadfast, you are strong, you are mighty, Lord God. We thank you that we can trust in you. We thank you that we can place our hope in you. Our confident expectation is in you, Jesus. And we pray, Lord God, that today as we look at your word, Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, Lord. I pray you'd encourage us and challenge us, Lord. I pray your word would sharpen us today and equip and empower your people, Lord, to live and to serve you as you're calling us to. We ask that this morning in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, amen, amen. You can take a seat this morning. Great to be in church together on a Sunday morning. Disappointing our Matildas couldn't get across the line last night, but fourth place, I mean, come on, how good was that? Amazing to see. Unfortunately, the same for our goats, our, uh, our church soccer team. We, we lost, we crashed out in the semis. But we did live up to our name. We are the GOATs, the greatest of all time, because it's the first time we've become third in the first division. And so congratulations to the GOATs on a great season. (laughs) Greatest of all time. I love it. And I believe it's Kathy Koopman's birthday today. I'm not sure where is Kathy. There she is. Happy 60th birthday. We all love Kathy Koopman. Fantastic. Something about never say a woman's age or something like that. I think I just, I just broke that rule. But uh, congratulations. It's great to be together. Well, we're going to continue our um, fourth part of James in a moment. But I want to let you know an update regarding youth. Um, I spoke to the youth leaders on Friday night. And I wanted to let you know this morning that um, Dan has decided to finish up his time leading youth. And so it's big decision, big change there. But Dan's been speaking to some mentors and leaders and just really felt that the time has come for them and to put some focus on his health as well. And so Dan and Rach are incredible and we love them so much. And um, in fact, I would love if they could come and join me on the stage this morning because I'd really love to pray for these guys. And it's been so exciting just doing the journey together over the um, over the last, I think, six or seven years that they've been leading youth. And I'm really excited for them and for their future. And um, we had a great time on Friday night just talking to the leaders. And today we just wanted to let you know as a church, they're going to be continuing to transition until the end of this term. And then new leadership is going to come in and take uh, take the reins into term four and into summer camp, which we felt was a, a good natural transition. But I think we've, uh, we've had a few emotions um, over the last couple of weeks, two emotional guys, um, me and Dan, as we've been talking a little bit about this. But, I, I, you know, when something's right, um, even though it's hard, it's, it's great to be able to celebrate that. And um, Dan, you've been like a little brother uh, t- to me in a lot of little ways. Um, you know, things like coming over and helping us when we had little baby Georgia um, and you come over to our house to look after Cooper that night, which was kind of a crazy night. And um, you and Amy were having just this calm conversation. I'm like, Amy, get in the car. We have got to go. Um, and, and just things like that over the years. But I just wanted to honor you both for your incredible time leading youth ministry. And you'll continue to do that and transition into the end of the term. And so we just wanted to let everyone know as soon as possible so that we could uh, help transition and help get our minds around it as well. But Dan and Rach, from all of us here, we want to say we love you. 
and uh, we're so proud of you and all that you've done and all that you've dedicated and invested into our youth ministry and um, I know that God's going to continue to use you in powerful ways um, but we want to honor you we want to pray for you in a moment as well and so obviously with a change like this um, it obviously leaves a leadership gap and so we wanted to let you know this morning at the same time as, as Dan and Rachel made that decision that uh, we have asked Hannah Saad to step in the role as youth leader and she has accepted that and so congratulations to Hannah who's jumping into that role as well and so Hannah why don't you come and join us on the platform as well and, and Kobe come and assist your girlfriend this morning come on up here as well um, as we uh, we take a moment and uh, we're going to pray for both sides this morning and just pray for smooth transition for them, pray for God's grace and God's peace and so Hannah is incredible and has been serving in the youth ministry for a while, I think you both know her or most of us would know her from her incredible worship leading on a Sunday, so she's one of those multi-skilled people where she sings, she leads, I'm not sure what other skills she's got but I'm sure there's many others um, and, and we're really excited about her, she's really gifted in leadership and I think she'll do an incredible job and so what we've asked of her is we've said to her, hey we know you're studying so we've asked for her of her we say hey can you give us a year in youth ministry and that'll bring stability to the leadership there but then after that time you can just decide hey is this working for you it's not derailing your studies and all the things there we know you're young we want to give you options and so we're hoping that at the end of that year she'll renew for another year and another year and another year but at the same time we want to look after you holistically and make sure you're coping well with all the burdens of that and so she'll come on staff a day a week and and really help serve and lead our youth ministry going forward which which is exciting and so we have both sides we're praying for this morning and I'd love if some of our board and staff team could come up and lay your hands on these people this morning and we're just going to pray and just believe for God's best over this transition as we move forward into the future. Like I said, um, it'll be through the end of this term, end of term three, Dan and Rachel continue to lead and then term four, Hannah will take the reins, ably assisted by Kobe and they'll uh, just continue to move forward uh, with youth ministry and going into summer camp as well and so I think we all agree we want to see a strong youth ministry going forward for City Church and, and this church has, had, has been blessed with that over many years and going into the future, we want to continue to see that go strong and so we honour you guys for what you've done and I know your hearts to continue to serve there and continue to be around church and do all that you can to, uh, to serve God in that way and help the transition and as Hannah takes the reins, I know there's, a, there's anxiousness there as you step into that as well but know God's grace is with you. And so both sides this morning, would you stand with me this morning, church, and reach out your hands to these incredible people, and uh, let's bridge the divide, <laughs> come on in, and let's pray for these incredible people this morning. Actually, I'm going to ask Anna, why don't you pray this morning on the spot? Lord God, we thank you so much that you are on the throne, Father, that you have called each of us to live a life worthy of the calling that we have received, God. I thank you so much for the faithfulness and the way that Dan and Rach live out that calling worthy of what you've called them to, Father. I thank you for the way that they have invested so deeply and richly in the youth of this church and the next generation, Father. God, we won't know the fruit of their investment and the seeds that have been planted until we get to heaven, Father. And we see the stories and the tales of the salvation, God. They have scattered seed, they have invested, they have toiled, Father. And Lord, we know that you bring the growth. God, we pray that you continue to bring the growth in their lives, in their family, in their marriage, Lord God, in their health, in their spirituality, in their emotional health, their mental health, their physical health, Lord God. Renew them, restore them, Lord God. We know you're always at work in them. We thank you so much for the gifts that they have been for this church. 
And Lord God, we thank you so much for Hannah, Father, and all the way that, ways that you have worked through her already, the way that she has served, Father, and invested in this church. God, we pray that you give her the confidence and boldness, Father, to step into this leadership position, Father. We thank you that you have given her all that she needs, Lord, for life and godliness, Father, that when we are weak, you are strong, Lord God. Father, we thank you for the young people of this church. We are so grateful for each of them, God grow and deepen their faith in this world that does not welcome it, Father. Help them to be strong, arm them and equip them with the Spirit, Father, that may they be bold. God, our heart is for this community to be transformed, for young people to find Jesus and to know you, Father. And we know that, God, you are going to do a mighty work and continue to do a great work on the seeds that have been planted. So, Father, we pray for the next, the months, the years, uh, the decades ahead for City Church and the generations to come, God. Bring your fruit, Holy Spirit. Be at work. Be at work, Lord God. We commit it to you. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Come on, give these incredible people a hand. Fantastic. You can take a seat this morning. So we're, we're going to have a big celebration Sunday come the end of September where we're really going to honour these guys, Dan and Rach, and really pray over the future as, as Hannah takes these reins and, uh, and leads it forward. So we just want to let you know with plenty of time, just time to process it and get ready for it. But um, yeah, if you, if you get around either of these guys, make sure you encourage them. Uh, as a church, we want to see our youth ministry continue to move forward stronger and, and both sets of leaders just be strong in what God's called them to do as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we're going to do part four of our James series and we're talking about James chapter four. Wow, they've updated the time on me. That's awesome. That's great. Um, so this morning we called the message, A Higher Calling. So James chapter four, A Higher calling. And so obviously James chapter 1, we heard an incredible message from Rob Badman and uh, he really reminded us of a bit of an overview of what James is about, but then also about the fact that we uh, are going to go through trials and temptations in life. James chapter 2, Felicity spoke a great word reminding us about the fact that God has no favourites. We shouldn't uh, have favouritism in the church, that every person is welcome to come as they are, to experience God. There is no hierarchy, in a sense, in the church. We are all sons and daughters of the King. And last week, I spoke about the fact that we are, are people that are called to be people of the way. We are followers of the way of Christ, and so therefore, we start to alter the way that we do life, that our words and the wisdom that we operate with and the weights that we carry reflect the fact that we've been given a mission and a calling by God. And today I want to talk uh, from this topic, a higher calling, and just understand and articulate the fact that we are called to step up, to live from this higher place, this higher calling that God has given us. And the gospel calls that out in us. It calls us not to live low or not to live selfishly or, or, or by ourselves, but it calls us to live higher. It causes us to live with a mindset that God wants me to grow. He, he's doing a sanctifying work in me. He's transforming me. He wants me to, to, to grow in Christ, to be a mature disciple of Jesus. He wants me to live life well, to be wise and continue to move forward. And that causes me, as I look at the gospel, as I look at the Word of God, it shapes my life and it causes me to grow and to strengthen and to go higher in my calling. 
And that's what God really wants of each of us, that we would grow and develop in Him. And so let's have a look at James chapter 4 this morning. Here it is, verse 1. What is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at, at war within you? You want what you don't have. So you scheme and kill to get it. Now, there's some pretty harsh words. This is being directed to church people. This is being directed to Christians. It says, you are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You won't you want only what will give you pleasure. Then it goes on to say, you adulterers, don't you realize that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? I say it again, if you want to be a friend of the world, you make yourself an enemy of God. Do you think that the scriptures have no meaning? They say that God is passionate about the, that the spirit he has placed within us should be faithful to him. And he gives graciously, as the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up in honor. Don't speak evil against each other, dear brothers and sisters. If you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is to obey the law, not to judge whether it applies to you. God alone who gave the law is the judge. He alone has the power to save or to destroy. So what right do you have to judge your neighbor? Strong words. Verse 13 says, Look here, you who say today or tomorrow, we are going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will look like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such a boasting is evil. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. So James 4, he's coming in hot. <laughs> he's, not, uh, he's not had his medication that morning. <laughs> It's, he's coming in strong. It's a very, uh, I guess, challenging passage for the church. He really is coming in and reminding us that we are called to be different to this world, that we have a challenge from God to grow up in Christ, to be mature disciples, to understand that, yes, we do have evil desires that are within, but we have a higher calling to get above that, to make sure that we are operating as spirit-led people not guided and directed by the desires of this world or even the desires that are within us that can be evil and sinful. 
but that we would submit our lives to Christ, that we would be humble and come before God and allow Him to transform us and become the men and women of Christ that He's calling us to be. It's a higher calling. I mean, I think it's, at times we, we, we would all wish that it was a low calling, that we could all just operate as we wanted to, how our feelings directed and guided our lives, that we would live from this low place because that's not so challenging. But actually, when we look at the Bible, it always calls us upwards. It calls out the champion in you. It calls out the man or woman of faith in you. It calls out hope and life and joy and peace. It calls those things out of us. It causes us to be challenged and transformed when we look at this Bible, when we study it, when we allow it to speak to us. It actually brings us to a higher place. It's a higher calling. Wherever the gospel is planted, it elevates. It brings people to a place where they are transformed in Christ. You know, I love in Mark 8 verse 34, when we talk about a higher calling, Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. It's a challenge. It's a bit like what Will said in the offering today. God doesn't just want our money. He wants everything. He wants our life. He wants our sacrifice. He wants our time. He wants our focus. He wants our attention. He wants every part of our life. God wants you. And everything you represent, God wants. Because God wants to know you intimately. God wants to be connected with you. God wants to bring you higher. It's a higher calling. And that's why it says, take up your cross and follow God. There's a sacrifice to it. There's a challenge to it. And I guess that's what's saying here in James chapter 4. It costs us everything. It, it costs us laying down our own desires and wants and our feelings and all of those things and laying it down to Christ and saying, God, I submit to you. What do you want with my life? I want to serve you. I want to follow you. And sometimes I think maybe in Western society, we, we, we can take it light. And we want Jesus 2.0, the light version. And we want the easy version and just the relaxed version and just the once a week service version and all of those things. And, but God's saying to us, no, no, I want everything. I want every part of your life, the way that you speak, the way that you act, the way that you treat others, the way that you respond, the humility of heart. I, I want the transformation in every part of your life. And the beauty of the gospel is it just doesn't just quarantine part of your life. It actually says, hey, everything. I want to bring transformation to your emotions, your health, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. God wants to do a, a deep work in all of us. And James chapter 4 really paints the picture there. And so I want to look this morning, just three encouragements to live from a higher calling this morning out of James chapter 4. And so let's have a look this morning. The first one's this, number one, to live selfless, to live selfless. It says here, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? James chapter 4 verse 1. Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war to take it away from them. It's not talking about a physical war here. It's not talking about physically killing one another as Christians. That's not what the, the writer is referring to here. What, what, what he is saying in this passage is your words are killing one another. Your actions towards one another are causing death. 
of reputation, of the way that you speak about one another, of the way you tear one another down. It's causing division. It's causing harm. It's causing all of this chaos in the church. And it reminds us here, let's not be those kind of people. Let's make sure that our motives aren't wrong, but we're not just going after our own good pleasure here, but we're making sure that we are in alignment to Christ. To live selfless is a challenge. To live selfless is a calling. You know, I remember Ian Spring being on this platform. I think they were celebrating, Ian and Kathy, I, I believe 50 years of marriage a few months ago. And we, we, we brought them up on the platform. And we said, and what's some advice that you would give us to, to, for our marriages and how we, could, how we could do better? And Ian said this, he said, selfless. And he challenged all the guys in the church, if you want to have a good marriage, think about those things. Be selfless, which means selfless. Thinking of selfless. And I often think about that. I often think about that thought that in our relationships, in our marriages, in our friendships, in, in our work relationships, in all that we do in life, it is a challenge to be selfless. I don't know about you, but for me, it's not the default mode. I think about myself a lot. And the challenge of the transformation of the gospel is actually to think about others more than me. It's funny, isn't it? When we, we take a photo in a group, the first thing we do is we look at what we look like in the photo. We don't look at everybody else, we look at ourselves. And to be honest, in a lot of ways, we as a society, we live our lives like that. We are in this selfie generation. We are in this thing where we uh, are focused so much on ourselves. And we may not even express that or say that out loud. But our internal thoughts, the, the deepest thoughts of our heart are often about ourselves. Our prayers can be self-centered and we can be focused about ourselves. And, and that's just part of this condition of being in this world and, and being sinners. And we're all saved by grace. We can be so focused on ourselves. But the gospel, what it's doing in us is it's transforming us to say, hey, listen, I'm not living for myself. I'm living for Christ. I'm living for those that are around me. I'm going to live selfless. And it talks about here these wars that are waging within us. When you look back in, through history, wars and things that have, have started over time, they can start by the craziest things. I mean, we see it in our relationships, right? How many times has this happened as a, a, with your spouse that you've had this crazy fight over the silliest thing? And it started over nothing and you look back on it a couple of years later and you think, gee, that was such a crazy thing that we fought about. And I think that happens in the church, that happens in our lives. We can wage wars, we can be focused on things that are so selfish and so silly when we look at it. And we can get caught up in those things. Over history, wars have started that way. I don't know whether you've ever heard about the War of the Whiskers. I don't know whether you've heard about the War of the Bucket or the War of Jenkins' Ear. These are real historical wars that have taken place. Let me teach you about some of these wars. Some of the crazy, selfish things that we do in our life. Well, let's talk about the War of the Whiskers. Year 1152 in France. The opponents were France versus England. And here it is. This, is, well, this was the provocative. Provoca what do you say that? that? This is what provoked it. Provocation. I don't know how you say that. I can't even say those words right. Provocation. <laughs> when bearded King Lewis 
the seventh of France, was married to Eleanor, daughter of French Duke. He received a dowry of two provinces in southern France. Coming home from the Crusades, King Louis VII shaved off his beard. Uh-oh. Wife Eleanor said he was ugly without a beard. He refused to grow the whiskers back. Eleanor divorced him. She married King Henry II of England and demanded the return of her dowry of two provinces for her new husband, King Louis. King Louis would not release them. King Henry declared war to regain dowry by force. The war raged 301 years and peace was declared in 1453. Look it up in history. I'm not making this up. This is true. And so many wars and things start from the craziest things. What about the War of the Bucket? One night in 1325, several Modernese soldiers infiltrated the city walls of Bologna. They spotted a bucket at a public well. They seized it and hightailed it out of the city, delighted with their victory. Upon discovering the missing bucket, the Bolognese were infuriated and demanded its return. The Modernese were not amendable to this demand and refused. Incensed and humiliated, the Bolognese declared all-out war on Medina. With that, the War of the Bucket commenced. 2,000 casualties were recorded in this war over a wooden bucket. Look it up in history. What about this one, the War of Jenkins' Ear? You guys don't believe me, do you? Look it up. The War of Jenkins' Ear was between Great Britain and Spain that began in October 1739 and eventually merged into the War of the Austrian Succession. It was precipitated by an incident that took place in 1738 when Captain Robin Jenkins appeared before a committee of the House of Commons and exhibited what he alleged to be his own amputated ear. Cut off in April 1731 in the West Indies by Spanish coast guards who had boarded his ship, pillaged it and then set it adrift. Public opinion had already been aroused by the Spanish outrage on British ships. And, the Jenkin, and then Jenkins' episode was swiftly exploited by members of parliaments who were in opposition of the government. And so from that, they took his ear and they used it as a reason to declare war on Spain. And crazy that a whole war took place, many casualties, many crazy things took place from that. Now when we look back, we laugh at these wars. You don't even believe me this morning that I'm telling the truth. Look it up. It's a matter of fact of history. But when you look at these wars and you look at how they began, and you look at some of the things that have started these things, they seem crazy what actually provoked the war. And I think the same things can be said about us. When we look at our lives, some of the things that can start some of the crazy things that we say, some of the crazy ways that we act, the motives of our heart that can sometimes be impure, can lead us to do things and can take us completely off course. And I guess the challenge of James here is to say, hey, listen, we are sinners. We are going to make mistakes. We are going to get things wrong. We are not going to do things right. But hey, listen, let's come back to alignment of what the Holy Spirit's doing in our lives. Let's come back to alignment of the call of God in our life. Let's make sure that we are living with a higher calling, not just getting bombarded with these silly things. We look back and laugh at these wars and what had started them and how these things have taken place and and not just these ones, but many wars through history have, have started from crazy moments. 
But really, all of us have the propensity and the ability to do that if we just allow our flesh to run wild. We can start wars with our words. We can start wars with those that we love. We can start wars with our neighbors and our work colleagues and the people that are around us from the selfish desires within. But the challenge of James chapter 4 is to say, hey, listen, I'm calling you to be selfless. Be selfless in our relationships, in the way that we live our life, in the way we conduct ourselves, Let's not be so consumed with self that we can't see the greater good. Matthew 23, verse 11, Jesus says this, The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And that's the challenge of our lives. Not to live so focused on self that we keep exalting ourselves, focused on our needs, our desires, but actually to lay them down. That's the, the, the key of a good marriage. It's the key of a good friendship. It's the key of a good church. That people would say, hey, listen, I'm going to be selfless. I'm going to think about myself less. I'm going to allow that, even though these things that wage in my mind, these wars that want to wage and my emotions can get hurt and I can get frustrated, I'm actually going to lay that down. And I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to help me lead to that higher road, that higher calling in Jesus' name. You're still, you're still caught up in those wars, aren't you? You don't believe me. Look it up, guys. Look it up. They are in history. Number two this morning. The second one is this. Live submitted. James chapter 4, verse 7 says this. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts. For your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. And then it says this, Humble yourselves before the Lord and He will lift you up in honor. Humility. It's such an underrated quality in people. To be secure in Christ, to be humble, to be somebody that doesn't have to try to elevate themselves above others, but can actually just be humble and choose to serve others. To be somebody that is submitted. You know, submission is strength under control. To be submitted is to actually say, hey, I'm not saying that I'm any less. I'm not saying that I'm, I'm not gifted or talented or ability, I've got ability, but I'm actually submitting all that I am to a higher source. To be submitted under Christ is actually a strong place to be. We hate that word submission. I think our world hates the word submission because I'll tell you why. We love to be in charge. We love to be in charge of our own destiny. We love to be in charge of what we're doing and in charge of the tasks ahead and where we're going and what we're doing. And Our world is wired that way. In fact, we celebrate people that are in charge and are doing great things and their egos and all that kind of stuff. We celebrate that in the society that we live. And so this is really countercultural to say, hey, listen, to be strong is to be submitted. It actually doesn't make sense in our minds. It actually, it's a bit of a head spin. But really, as Christians, we're not meant to make sense. We're meant to just do what God's called us to do, and we're meant to look different to this world, to be submitted, to give the credit to God. You know, I think sometimes as Christians, we can, we can sometimes get in a weird place where someone encourages us about something. And I know what, what it's like, and I used to do this a lot when I was a, 
a young leader coming through, someone who encouraged you about something, and you, oh, it was, it was all God, and, and, and God did it all, and I'm just the humble servant, and, and you, you pull yourself back, and you say those kind of things, and you say, oh, you did a good message, you did this, and, 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 and we can say all these weird kind of things that sound really nice, and almost like a false humility kind of thing. And I remember a leader saying to me one day, hey, Ben, when someone comes up and compliments you about something, do you know what you need to say? Thank you. Say thank you for that compliment. Don't try and palm it off or do that kind of stuff. It gets weird. It gets awkward. And, and we as Christians, we sometimes do that. Yes, it's true. It is God. God is working in you and God is working through you. But say thank you. And then when you get alone, give God all the glory, all the praise, all the honor, all the worship. And just say, God, I submit it to you. God, I thank you. God, I give you this compliment. God, I give you all this. I know it's you that's working in my life. And I think sometimes we can get weird with that. We've got to take the encouragement, but at the same time, when we have those moments with God, submit it to God. Submit it all to Him and say, God, I give you all the glory and praise and worship. I honor you for who you are. See, it says here in verse 11 and 12, it talks about not speaking against each other. It says, if you criticize and judge each other, then you are criticizing and judging God's law. But your job is not to, your job is to obey the law and not to judge. It's simply saying here that you aren't the judge. In fact, a commentary said this, it says, Christians are not to slander one another. A better translation might be speak evil about or say bad things about. Because slander often implies in English that the things that are untrue, that, that it's things that are said that are untrue. And the Greek word does not imply this. As far as James is concerned, whether the things said are true or not, critical words divide the community and are not in order. So sometimes it's right. Yeah, they are wrong. But it might not be right to say it. And if you're like me, and sometimes you can be a justice warrior, sometimes you feel the need to say it. But sometimes it actually takes more strength not to say it. And to say, actually, I love that person. And I'm choosing to love rather than to be able to say, yeah, I'm right. You know what it's like. Sometimes in a marriage you can be right. But it's not going to end up all right. (laughs) If you just keep pointing at that out. Sometimes it actually takes that strength to say, you know what? Love covers a multitude of sins, as it says in Proverbs. To actually say, you know what, I'm going to choose to rise above that and love that person. And it's the same in a church. It's the same in a friendship. It's the same in our workplace. To live submitted is to actually submit to God's calling for our life and allow ourselves not to sometimes say the things that we want to say. I love what it says here that you're not the judge. God's the judge. So it's not our job to be on the top of the law, above the law, to judge it. Our job is just actually just to be obedient to the law. It's a submission to God. It's a submission to the law. It's a submission to what God's calling us to do. And as I said before, submission is strength under control. And I think it's a powerful thing. I love in 1 Peter 5 verse 6, it says, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God. And at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares for you. When we jump out of that place of submission and we start doing things ourselves, we start to operate in our flesh. But it's so powerful to submit ourselves to God, come under His authority and be obedient. 
to Him. And the third and final thing this morning is this, is to live secure. We've talked about this morning the fact that we want to live selfless, we want to live submitted, and number three is we want to live secure. If we go back to James chapter 4, in verse 13, it says here, Look here, you who say today or tomorrow we are going to a certain town, we'll stay there a year, we'll do business there and make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. The brevity of life, it's a sobering thing. And life is long, but life is short. And we really only have a small period of time. We want to make sure that we are focused on the right things. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to do, we will live and do this or do that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans and all such boasting is evil. See, this is actually speaking to some of the business leaders in the church. In this passage, it's talking about them and they're, they're not necessarily doing the wrong thing but they are just trying to operate their businesses out of their own ability. They're not submitting it to God. They're not submitting what God's calling to them, call, calling is to them individually. They're just going about their business, doing their own thing. And what God's saying is, hey, listen, I know you've got your business stuff going on here, but I want you to submit this to me. I want you to live led by me, not by your own desires to, to get wealth and to get, get ahead and do what you want to do but I actually want you to bring it under my authority. I want to guide and lead and direct your life. So it says here, G James's criticism is that they are, in fact, carrying on business just the way every other merchant does. As Christians, they should be well aware of not only the uncertainties of the future, but also who controls it. James' point is not simply that they ought to preface all their plans with it is, if it's the Lord's will, that would be a lip service to God. Instead, He wants them to seek God's plan and follow God's will in the use of their money. This appears in His comment that they boast and brag, or better translated, boast in their pride. So they're boasting about their business deals and their successes and what they're doing. And God's saying, hey, listen, what about the, call, the high calling that I've given you? That's above just your earthly successes and your earthly focuses. It's a challenge to actually be transformed. I love William Booth, founder of the Salvation Army. He said this, The greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. And isn't that a challenge? To live a surrendered life to God. To follow His will and His way. And the future is so unsecure in some ways. We don't know what the future holds. But what we are challenged to do is live with a security and a trust in God that He holds the future, that He is in charge, that we can understand that God is leading and guiding our lives. There's a security in that. Even when we don't know what the future holds, God wants us to walk boldly into our calling. So the team come and join me on the, on the platform this morning. I remember when we took on the leadership of this church about five years ago. We're talking about leadership transition this morning. And I remember talking to um, Scott Samways, or better known as Sanger, from Hillsong Church. And we were talking about the transition, and I was talking to him about just like, oh, it's big shoes to fill. It's massive shoes to fill. Kevin and Marilyn, it's huge shoes to fill. And I kept saying in the conversation, and you know, it's, it's, it's big, it's going to be big. And, and he said to me, Ben, 
Kevin and Marilyn, they're taking their shoes with them. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. Because no, seriously, God's got shoes for you to wear. God's got a calling for you. God's got what He wants you to walk into. It's the same this morning when we're talking about this youth leadership transition. Same this morning for all of us when it comes to the calling of God for our life. We can be so focused on other people's things and what's the future hold for them and for them. God's got a unique pair of shoes for you to walk in. Your calling, your future, there's a security and an ease about those shoes. They fit right. They're not uncomfortable when you walk in them. When, when, you, when you put them on, God's calling for your life. Although there'll be challenges at times, there's a security to know God's guiding you and leading you. To live secure doesn't mean you know all the answers. To live secure doesn't mean you know what the future will hold. To live secure is to put your trust completely in God. That even though at times I don't know how things are going to pan out in my business or my family, all these things, I take all these things and I lay them down at the feet of Jesus. And I say, God, may your will be done, not mine, not my ways of doing things, not my success. God, I lay them all at your feet. God, guide and lead me. Help me to be a great teacher, a great parent. Help me to be a great lawyer or, or carpenter or whatever God's calling you to do. And walk into that with confidence in God, that He's leading and guiding you forward. Keep submitting it to Him so that He will guide you into your future. You know, my kids are at an age where they think I know everything. I'm enjoying it while it lasts. They'll ask me hard questions like, Dad, what's two plus two? And I'll be like, pretend like I'm just taking a while to get, get the answer. I'm, oh, it's four. Wow, how did you know that? I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty smart. They're about to work out I don't know much at all. And I think it's humbling for us to all know that. We don't know. There's so much in this world we don't know. We can get skill and ability and experience and we can study and we can, we can grow and we can learn things. But there is a lot about our lives and about the future we just don't know. I guess this morning what James is saying to us is, hey, take your life and stop trying to have security in self. And put your trust completely in Christ. Be selfless, be submitted, and be secure in the, in the knowing that God is in charge. Kevin Brett quote, he's large and in charge. He's in charge. And there's a strength to that, knowing God has everything covered. So I'll finish with this scripture. Jeremiah 17 verse 7 says, Blessed with spiritual security is the man or woman who believes and trusts in and relies on the Lord and whose hope and confident expectation is the Lord. For he will be nourished like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear the heat when it comes, but its leaves will be green and moist." And it will not be anxious and concerned in a year of drought, nor stop bearing fruit. And I believe that for every person. 
under the sound of my voice this morning, that as we put our hope and trust in God, that He will grow our lives, that He will build us towards our future, that as we put those shoes on of the calling of God for each one of us, that it would fit us and that He would lead us into the future as we're selfless, submitted and secure in Christ. Would you stand with me this morning? You have a higher calling, church, above what this world can offer. And sometimes it's a challenge. And can I just say this? It's meant to be a challenge. Because if you could do it on your own, you wouldn't need God. And that's why we stumble and fall. And that's why the grace of God is so important for all of us. Because we're all going to fall. We're all going to make mistakes. But as we trip forward, we keep walking on that journey of a higher calling that God has for each and every one of our lives. And so would you submit your lives this morning to God? Would you raise your hands with me this morning and just submit all of yourself to Him as I pray this prayer over your life this morning? Lord Jesus, we come this morning in humble surrender. Lord, we want to live selfless lives as we're instructed to in James chapter 4. Lord, we want to submit ourselves to You and Resist the selfish desires within and the selfish things that are raging around about us in this world. God, we want to not be so smart in our own ability, but we want to be secure in the future that you have for us. Take our successes and our failures. We want to lay them down and ask you to guide and lead our lives. Light that path forward for us, Lord. Put on those shoes of the high calling of God for each of us, Lord. And we want to walk out of this place secure knowing that you're guiding and leading us and i pray for courage and boldness for every person this morning i pray for your peace and your comfort where we have fallen and we have come short lord help us to rise again and keep walking on this high calling that you have for us let your grace carry us through i pray and we just thank you lord god as we walk out of this place we want to live selfless submitted and secure in jesus mighty name amen Amen. Come on, let's worship Jesus this morning.